Hello, everybody. Sorry. Sorry to keep you guys waiting. You got to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. So, <laughs> But if you, if you would, bow with me really quick, please. Um, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Um, we thank you for what you're about to do in this place. We thank you for how you're about to move in this place. Um, God, we thank you that you have all orchestrated us to be here on purpose, for a purpose, and you do everything for a purpose because you are a God who, are, who is intentional. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just come into this place. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just move and just allow us to feel God and hear God and understand the word that God wants us to have. We thank you for Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our many sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you, if you would turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. I mean, yeah, Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. And if you would stand for the reading of the word, please. And the reason why I say could we stand for the reading of the word, because um, in Nehemiah chapter 8, um, it talks about a priest named Ezra. And Ezra, when he would read the word to the people, they would stand up while they read, it, while they read the word. So it's important, it's important to, to know if anybody tries to tell you something that doesn't back up what they say with scripture, you shouldn't do it. If nobody can back up what they say to you without the word of God, we shouldn't listen to it because this is our this is our truth. This is this is the this is the real truth. This is the only truth. So God has sent this for us, so we'll know what's error and what's truth. Okay, and it reads in verse 18. It says, "While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her, and she will live.'" Jesus got up and went with them, and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. He said, take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. You may be seated. Um, I think the first, the first thing that, that you have to really, really pinpoint and you have to realize in, this, in, this, in the text right here is that the synagogue leader is a man of, of position because he's a synagogue leader. You know, he's a man that has authority. He's a man who, who, um, who is known. And, but you have to see what he did when he got into the presence of a king. If you read... If you read this in the King James Version, it talks about how the man worshipped him. It says worship. It doesn't say um, he bowed and laid before him or he knelt before him. In the King James Version, it says worshipped. And that worship, that word worship in the, in the Greek, it means to prostrate. And so what this means to prostrate is the mean to basically just bow, bow down. And so the biggest thing when it comes to your, your fellowship with God is that you have to know that it's important to worship him. And it's not from the standpoint of, 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 of being in fear or being afraid of him. But if you also look at Proverbs 1-7 and Proverbs 9-10, it talks about how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. And that word fear, it's not a fear that we would say of being scared. This is a fear that means to, to um, give reverence to, 
to give reverence. So when you come in, when you come in fear, you're not coming in fear to be afraid because in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says that God did not give us a spirit of fear. So, so God is not giving you a spirit of fear. He wants you to understand that when you come into his presence, you have to come in, in humility. You have to come in humility. The reason why you have to come in humility because anybody that understands the importance of worship has a great relationship with God. Because your worship, your worship is where you and God meet. It's where you and God meet. So, so if you go back to Genesis, Adam and Eve, they had a meeting place with God. And that's why God asked them where were they at. Because they weren't at the meeting place. They have a, you got to have a meeting place with God. It has to be a place in your house or in your home. Or wherever where it's a solitary place, a place where you can go worship God, a place where you can go praise God. Because in Psalms 22 and 3, it says that God inhabits in our praises. He says he inhabits in Israel's praises. Well, that word inhabit is basically means to, to dwell. It basically means to dwell. So if anybody, if, if anybody welcomes God with their worship, that allows you to hear him clearer. See, your worship is the welcome. Your worship is the welcome. Then your, your praise is the welcome. And so when you know how, to, when, you, when you put worship and praise together, that's why it's important to understand the power of worship during service. A lot of people, they, you know, even, even I used to be the same way. I would, I would not put my hands up. Um, you know, I would just stand there. But the worship is where your breakthrough comes. The worship is, is how you get over, get over the situation that, you, that you're struggling with because the more that you, the more that you tell, you, you say back to God who he is, then it reminds you who he is. And then it makes you forget about the situation that you're worrying about and understand that your situation is not bigger than God because nothing is bigger than God. Nothing is bigger than God because he's God and there's none like him. He's the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the living God. And so the more that you worship, the more that you understand who he is, that allows you to connect with him. It allows you to connect with him. And, and, and you have to see in this, in, this, in this story is that the woman with the issue of blood, when she came towards Jesus, it says she touched Jesus. She touched Jesus. And in the Greek, if you understand, if you find out what that word touch mean, you will see that it means to attach oneself. And then it breaks all the way down to the, to the, to the word fasten. So when you touch or when you, or when you embrace God, it means you are fastening yourself to God. And, and it's almost like a seatbelt. You see, when you, when you fasten yourself to God in your worship, you are putting your spiritual seatbelt on. And, and, and one, of the, one of the scariest things is to get in the wreck without a seatbelt. You know, a lot of seatbelts save people from wrecks, from flying out the window. And so if you have a wreck in your spiritual life and you don't have your spiritual seatbelt fastened, you're making yourself susceptible to fly out the window. But see, you have to understand is that when you, when you touch, when you fasten, that means you're seeking. 
That's why it says in Matthew, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things shall be added unto you. But the first thing it says is to seek. Seek the kingdom of heaven. You have to seek. You have to seek Jesus Christ. You have to seek this word. Because what you have to realize is that this word is our instruction manual. It's our instruction manual. Anybody that tries to tell you something that's outside of this word and it doesn't connect with this word, you shouldn't listen to them. Because everything you need in this Bible, everything you need is in this Bible. Everything you need is in this word. Everything, everything that you need, God gave it to you in this book. And so when you fasten yourself to God in worship, when you fasten yourself to, to the word of God, when you fasten yourself to the word of God, you're fastening yourself to Jesus. Because in the Bible, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then if you go down further in verse 14, it says, then the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst men. And so what it's talking about is talking about Jesus Christ. So the word is Jesus and Jesus is the word. And so if you want more of Jesus Christ, you got to do is read the word. All you have to do is read the word. And a lot of people, a lot of people will miss out on what God is saying to them because they don't read that Bible. They don't read it. You know, the only, the only time that we open up our Bibles is on Sunday. And, and, and that's not how God, that's not how God wanted, he, that's not how God wants it to be. That's not how God um, um, intended for it to be. He intended for us to have a, have a full relationship with him, a full fellowship, like almost a 24-7, 365-day relationship type fellowship and see you have to understand that it doesn't just it doesn't just stop when you accept salvation when you accept Jesus Christ it's it's more you have to you have to cover yourself in the word you have to cover yourself in the word because if you don't cover yourself in the word you make yourself more susceptible to go back into the world so if you don't get more of the world word you're going to get more of the world because the Bible tells us that you can't be lukewarm either you hot or you cold so it's no strangle it's no it's no straddling the fence with God it's no straddling the fence you can't just be one foot out and one foot in either you put all your feet in or you put all your feet out but everything that you do matters everything that you do you either feed into your spiritual man or your or your carnal man that's the man, that's the person inside of you. That's, that's your flesh. So if you feed your flesh more than you feed your spirit, man, how can you connect with God? Because your spirit is, what's, is what made in the image of God. Your spirit, man, is what God made you in the image of. And you, and, and you will see that in, in Romans, Romans 8, it talks about how the Holy Spirit beareth witness with our spirit. And then you even see in Galatians 4 when it talks about how um, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. And so the Holy Spirit, he bears witness with your spirit. And so if you're not feeding your spirit, how can the Holy Spirit bear witness with you? Because the thing you have to understand is that God will never put you in a situation that he has not 
prepared for you, and he has not been. So a lot of people will, see, will wonder, why, why, is this, why is this happening in the world, or why is this happening in my life? Well, the best way, the best way to understand why is if you open up this book. Is if you open up this book, because like I said before, God would not put you in a situation that he hasn't made provision for you. Abraham and Isaac. When Abraham went to go sacrifice his son Isaac, God had already provided the ram before Abraham even knew. But see, his obedience to the word of God allowed him to get to the provision. And see, if you're not obedient to the word, then you miss out on what God is trying to say because God is his word and his word is him. And so this, this woman with the issue of blood, this woman with the issue of blood, she's, she's, had, she's had suffering. She's had suffering for, for a long time. She's been, she's been suffering for 12 years. She's been suffering for 12 years. And, and you will see in the Levitical law, in Leviticus chapter 15, verses 25 through 30, you will see that a woman with an issue of blood or a woman with a discharge of blood, she's ostracized. She's ostracized. She's isolated from the, from the regular group of people because she's considered unclean. She's considered unclean. And so this woman has been isolated. This woman has been ostracized. This woman has been pushed away. But she sees her chance in Jesus Christ. And she understands that Jesus Christ is the only way to free her from her suffering. He's the only way to free her from her pain. He's the only way to free her from her sorrow and her isolation because in Galatians 3.28, it tells us there's neither male nor female, Greek nor Jew, slave nor free. Everybody is one in Jesus Christ. And so this woman understands that if she touches Jesus Christ, she's one with him. She's in Christ. And so what, what the, thing, the things that the people of this world seem to shun away God can use. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 1, it says God uses the foolish things of the world. The things that the world may shun over, the things that the world may push aside, the people that, that the world may forget about. God, is, God uses them. If you look in the story of Gideon, Gideon didn't see himself as, as much of nothing. But the, but the angel of the Lord told him that he was a mighty warrior. But Gideon seen himself as, as nothing. He seen himself as lesser. And so, and so what you have to realize is that when you have Jesus Christ in your life, when you, when you come into the presence of Jesus Christ, when you allow God to, to use you, God can use anything. He can use you. No matter how people may look at you, no matter how people may overlook you, no matter what mistakes that you have made, you are free in Jesus Christ. You're free in Jesus Christ. So this woman, this woman understands this woman understands that her freedom is from Jesus Christ. She understands that, that, that he is the only way. And so it's something, to really under, it's something to really see that she's been suffering for 12 years. For 12 years. And so for, you to, for, for us to really look into this, this number 12, you will see that God uses the number 12 in an orderly way. 
in an orderly way, there was 12 disciples. They were, they, there were 12, 12 tribes of Israel. And, and God uses this number 12. He uses this number 12 because it signifies order. It signifies order. And so the reason why Jesus met this woman in the 12th year of her suffering was because he was showing her that when you connect with me, I put everything in order. I put everything in order. And, and see, you have to understand that it goes even deeper than that. It goes even deeper than that, that this is the depiction of what Jesus Christ did for the church. Because Jesus Christ and the church are considered one. And we're, we are the church. We are, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are Jesus' bride. But before Jesus came and died, we had an issue of blood. We had an issue of blood. We had, a, we had an issue of blood. We, we had an issue of blood. But when Jesus Christ came, he fixed that issue. So not only is this woman just touching Jesus, she's touching blood. So this is blood touching blood. This is the issue of blood touching a solution of blood. And Jesus Christ is the only solution. And so what you have to understand is that once you allow Jesus Christ into your life and, and, and you really seek after Christ and you seek after the word of God, that, that you are protected, you are covered. You are protected, you are covered, you are protected, and you are covered. Anything that comes into your life, God is going to use. And so you have to understand that, that God wants everybody to be, to heal. If he didn't want everybody to be healed, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have sent his son. Because in Isaiah 53 and 5, it says, For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, by his stripes we are healed. And then even 1 Peter 2.24, it says, who, him own, who his own self bore our sins on his body, on that cross, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. And by his stripes we were healed. Notice it says we were healed. Were meaning we, it's already been done. So that means that, that our healing has already been given to us. <clears throat> our healing has already been given to us. We just have to walk in it. But you will see that God does everything first in the spiritual and then in the natural because it says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the earth. If you will read 1 Peter, if you will see it in 1 Peter, that you will see that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the earth. So Jesus came to the earth already knowing what he had to do. He already knew that he would be slain. So everything that God does, he does it before we even recognize it. That's why our healing has already been given to us. That's why our healing has already been paid for. That's why the atonement, that's why the atonement of sins have already been paid for. Because we just have to walk into it. We just have to accept it because it's already been done. It's already been done. It's already been done. And so you have, to, you, have to, you have to understand that we have to understand. We have to understand that, that you're healing whatever you're struggling with today. Whatever you feel like you need healing with. Whatever you feel like you, 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 you're struggling, you're, you're going through pain and suffering. Whatever you feel like that, that it's hard for you to get, all you have to do is give it to Jesus. You give it to Jesus Christ because he died for it. 
Because what you have to understand is that, that Jesus, Jesus took the, took, the, took the full penalty of death. He took the full penalty of death, and he beat it. He took the full penalty of death, and he beat it. He beat it. Jesus got rejected for you. He got rejected. It says, it says that, that Judas rejected Jesus. Then it even says that when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, that he was so sorrowful that he was sorrowful unto death. He was sorrowful. He, he, was, so, he was in so much um, agony. He was in so much, he had so much anxiety. He was so anxious. And this is the human part of Jesus. This is why I can, we can relate to him. This is, this is Jesus, the, the human. That's why, he, that's why we can relate. It says that Jesus was so, was so, he was so sorrowful that he was sorrowful unto death to the point to where when he left the disciples to go pray by himself, he just fell flat on his face. He had that much, he had that much anxiety on, on what was about to occur. It says he was sweating blood. He was sweating blood. He was, he was sweating blood. That's how, because he knew, he knew the, 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 the severity of what was about to happen, but he kept going because of you. And then, then it even talks about how he was beat with 39 lashes. He was beat with 39 lashes, and you couldn't even, to the point to where you couldn't even recognize who he was. Couldn't even recognize him. Can, can you imagine, can you imagine as, as a mother seeing that? As a mother, Mary, Jesus' mother, can you imagine that she having, to, she having to see her son get beat like that to where they can't even recognize him? But Jesus said, that's why he said in the Garden of Gethsemane in, 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 um, in Luke twenty two forty two, 42, it says, he said, nevertheless, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. He told God that he wanted his will to be done. So he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't stop it. He didn't stop it. He, t- he took it. He, he took it. Even though he was Jesus Christ, he could have he sent down a legion of angels to kill them kill all, to wipe them out all. He didn't, he didn't take it because Philippians 2.8 said he was obedient to death, which means that he laid his life down. Nobody took his life. He laid it down. He let them take it. And so this is Jesus Christ getting beat. He got beat. And then he, then he carried a cross. He carried a cross. He carried a cross at his weakest point. He was so weak that he couldn't even carry it by himself too much longer, that somebody had to come help him carry it. This is Jesus Christ. This is what he did for you. This is what he did for, for the world. This is what he did for, 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 for mankind. And he carried the cross. And he, and he gets up. He gets up on that cross. And he dies. He dies. This is an innocent man. This is an innocent man. He done no wrong. He, he did nothing. He didn't do anything but heal people. He didn't do anything but help people. He didn't do anything but better people. And they killing him with the death like he was a murderer. This is what Jesus did for you. 
This is what Jesus did for you. This is what Jesus took for you. He took, he took all that suffering for you. He came as a suffering servant for you. Everybody, if everybody close your eyes, everybody close your eyes. Imagine yourself in the chair getting ready to take the death penalty. You've done something that you, you know is wrong and you know that, it, that it's, it's an unforgivable thing. It's an unforgivable thing. And so you're bracing, your, you're bracing yourself to get ready to, to take that sting of death. But then somebody comes and taps you on your shoulder. He taps you on your shoulder, and you're like, what? Who is this touching me? I'm getting ready to, I'm getting ready to accept what I, what I believe that, that is mine. And this man taps you on your shoulder, and he tells you to get up. He tells you to get up, and you get up, and you walk out alive. And this man dies You can open your eyes. This is what Jesus, this is what Jesus did for you. This is what Jesus did for you. This is what Jesus took for you. This is what Jesus took for me. This is what Jesus took for the whole entire world. That's why John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe, whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God, God gave his son for the whole entire world. Jesus died for the people who crucified him. And so it's important to understand that, that Jesus faced this death so you can be more than an overcomer, so you can be more than a conqueror through him, which tells me anything that, you, that you're suffering with, anything that, you've been, that you feel like that, that you need healing from, anything, whether it's a relationship, marriage, health, peace of mind, Jesus, Jesus can restore that. Jesus can heal that because he already died from it. You just have to give it to him. You just have to give it to him. And I believe it's, it's, today it's, it's people who, who need healing. It's people who need restoration. It's people who need help. All you have to do is give it to Jesus. All you have to do is let, is let Jesus Christ take it because he's already carried your, carried your cross once physically. You just have to give it to him spiritually. The healing, the healing that, that Jesus Christ wants for you has already been given to you. It's already been given. It's already been given. And really, and, and really quick, if everybody could just close their eyes and just, and just pray to God. Pray to God about whatever healing that you feel like you need. Pray to God whatever healing you feel like you, you've been, that, you, that, you is seek, that you're seeking after for, that you know that Jesus Christ can help you through. Because I believe it's, it's a healing and you can pray out loud. Because one thing about one thing about the, the, the apostles, when the apostles were praying, 
when the apostles were praying, they all prayed out loud and they prayed in unison. And that's what allowed the Holy Spirit to come in. So don't be ashamed to pray out loud. Whatever it is you need healing for. A lot of people think you have to get your hands, you have to get hands laid on you to heal, but you don't. The Holy Spirit can come and just touch you. And you can be healed. Anybody that's been dealing with eye problems or headaches, just give it to Jesus. Thank him, thank him for the healing that you have. The healing that was that was that took place on that cross and when Jesus resurrected. You don't have to be ashamed to pray to God. You don't have to be ashamed to thank Jesus because it it tells us in the Bible that if we were ashamed here on this earth while we had a chance, Jesus won't accept you because if you are ashamed for Jesus Christ, how can he be able to accept you when it all comes to the end? Don't be ashamed to pray. Don't don't be ashamed. Please don't be ashamed. Please don't be ashamed. This is about your salvation. This is about your soul. This is about your spirit. And some of us are fighting it. We're fighting it. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. You have to understand that Jesus could not heal he could not heal in his own hometown because his own family, the, the people that knew him, were prideful. They were prideful, so their, their pride stopped Jesus from being able to perform miracles. So don't get in the way of your miracle right now. Don't get, away, don't get in the way of your miracle. Don't get in the way of your miracle. Just let go and let God. Get, get, out, of, get out of the way and just give it, give it to God. Give it to God. Just give it, give it to him. He'll take it. That's why he sent the son. Give it to him. If anybody want to come to the altar and just pray, you can come to the altar and pray. Because this is important. We have to understand that we have to go on behalf of God for ourselves. We have to go on behalf of God for ourselves.
Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to be able to come and just learn more about you. We thank you that you've allowed us to have a chance to to know more about you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you that the healing that that we are seeking for is, is, is ours. It's been given to us because of what Jesus Christ done on the cross. So God, we just come, we come in, in, in open arms, just giving you ourselves. Giving you ourselves because we know that we can't do anything without you, that our health and our strength depends on you. And so God, I just, we, just, we just thank you. We just thank you for what, for what you're doing. We thank you for what you've done and we thank you for what you're going to do. God, we thank you that you're infinite, in your infinite wisdom, you've seen this situation happen already, that you have already prepared this situation before the foundation of the earth, that you have set this up, that you have orchestrated it, God. So we just thank you, God. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. God, we just love you and we just praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Now, before, before I close, does anybody want to give their life to Christ? Is there anybody? She has a hand. Just raise your hand again. Anybody else? anybody else that want to give their life to Christ? There's not nothing to be ashamed about. This is, a ve- this is very important. This is the most important decision that you can make ever in your life because this, this is based upon where you will be for eternity, not for an am- amount of time, for eternity. Eternity doesn't, doesn't end. So is there anybody who want to give their life to Christ? It's not nothing to be embarrassed about. Anybody? Is there anybody who wants prayer? It feels like they need prayer, anybody. Say you, you need prayer? Anybody else? Anybody just, just need prayer? Anybody just need somebody to be in agreement with them? The Bible says where two or more gathered upon a situation, heaven cannot ignore. So God, it, God God's word says we're, we're two gathered upon a situation. It puts more strength behind it. So anybody just need somebody to pray for them? Is there any prayer team members around here? 
Can you stand up if you're part of the prayer team, please? Just come on over here. It's a lady right here. Is anybody that's, that's in ministry that's, that that work that works in the church that needs prayer? Because even the leaders, even the leaders need strength. Because we get so caught up in giving ourselves, get so caught up in giving ourselves to others that we forget about ourselves. Any 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 leaders of this church that need prayer? Anybody else? This lady. This is important. This is important because church is is it's the hospital. This is where you get your healing. This is where you get your freedom. You know, the world tells us that that we get our freedom through different, so many other different things, but the church, the church is, church is the hospital. The church is where people are supposed to get replenished, to get restored, to get healed. I think we've been so caught up in doing church a certain way to the point to where we hindering, we quenching the Holy Spirit. So if anybody just wants to step out on faith, how they feel, Nobody's embarrassed. Nobody's going to embarrass. Nobody's going to talk about you. This is a family. We're a body of Christ. We're all one. We love each other. Anybody that just want to just want prayer, just just step out. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's nothing to be ashamed about. It's nothing to be ashamed about. It was a lady in the back. Think right there. Uh huh. I think so. Uh. Anybody else? I'm a, one more time. Does anybody want to give their life to Christ? doesn't matter your age. Your age doesn't matter. Because if you really, if you really study the, the apostles in the early church, it's a possibility they were young. They're, they're, they're displayed with beards and, you know, they look older, but, but, they, but they were young. So revival can start with a, with a, with a young child as well. If you feel like you're young, but God is tugging on your heart right now. But God is tugging on your heart. There's two people over here. Oh, right here. Paul told Timothy, he said, don't let people look down on you because you're young. But you set an example. 
in conduct, in faith, in love, in purity. God can use the young <clears throat> just as much as he can use the old. If it's, if it's any kids in here that want to give their life to Christ. <clears throat> and you just know, you just feel in your heart that Jesus Christ is just pulling you. There's a tug that the Holy Spirit would, would put, that, that has placed upon you. Is there any, any child, any kid that wants to give their life to Christ? It's never, it's never too soon. It's never too soon. Anybody, teenager, anybody. One last time. Prayer, restoration, or healing, or giving your life to Christ, anybody. May the God of grace and peace be with you.